So we now come to the third and final night of our mission, and in many respects, the most important night of the mission. So I will continue to speak to you about the weapons of Our Lady, and then after um, the, the end of the conference, we will have the enrollments in the Melissa Maculate of whoever wants to become a member, who's not currently a member, but would like to become a member, but also the renewal of the membership for those who are already members. It will be an opportunity for them to renew their membership. And then on this Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, we will have a, a candlelight procession. We will, we will go in procession around the church two times while reciting the rosary and have the, the candles. The candles will, I think we're, we're just going to distribute the candles. I didn't put them in the back, but I will distribute the candles um, for the procession. So we saw in the, in the, first, the first night the, the great power that Our Lady has. And then in the, the second night, how she exercises her power through her weapons, such as the Hail Mary and the Rosary. And in this third night, we have to see that really the primary weapon that Our Lady has in her great struggle against the devil and against all evil in this world is really you. Souls who want to dedicate themselves to Our Lady, want to consecrate themselves to Our Lady, want to live in a state of dependence upon Our Lady and be instruments for her triumph in this world over the devil. Because Our Lady does want to use instruments, just as she was chosen by God. You know how, how I described God just sort of looking all over all of human history and saying, who do I want to choose to be the most powerful in the struggle against Satan? And finally, well, God decides and chooses this humble maiden from Nazareth. So too, Our Lady herself looks over the whole world. She's looking for instruments who will assist her in the struggle against sin. She wants soldiers to enlist in this spiritual combat against the devil. And who does she find? Well, of course, she's going to choose the same sort of people as she herself is. She's looking for humble people, spiritual people, lowly. She's looking for lowly people. And we qualify. We qualify for this. Whenever we see Our Lady appearing and her great apparitions, we see her appearing to children, poor children, children in really remote places of the planet, and asking them to do, to do yeoman's work for the promotion of devotion to her immaculate heart. This reflection reminds me of what St. Paul said to, to the Corinthians. He said some things were not very flattering to the Corinthians in his first epistle to them. He says to them, Consider your own calling, brethren, that there were not many of you wise according to worldly standards, not many mighty, not many noble, but the foolish things of the world has God chosen to put to shame the wise, 
and the weak things of the world has God chosen to put to shame the strong, and the base things of the world and the despised has God chosen, and the things that are not, that he might bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his sight. This is the wisdom of God. He loves to choose seemingly the poorest instruments to accomplish the greatest works. This is what attracted him to Our Lady. And as I say, this is what we, we should have confidence attracts Our Lady to us. We're just a scrappy, grassroots, traditional Catholic parish in rural Colorado. That's the fact of it. We're, we're just trying to live our faith as best we can, educating our kids in a, in a church basement, trying to maintain our sanity in a world that's gone mad with sensuality and godlessness. And we may think that, that that's, that's all of these things, they qualify us. We're qualified to be instruments of Our Lady. We're the type of people Our Lady is looking upon with benevolence because of our lowliness. But our hearts must be in the trim. We have to be disposed. It's not enough to be humble and lowly. It's not enough to be a grassroots traditional Catholic movement. We must be willing, must be desirous of doing something for Our Lady in our life, for being one of her instruments, for the promotion of her triumph over the devil. I just want to go into one of these examples that I was referring to where Our Lady just chooses the, the, the most remote people and, and people who, who seem to, to be the weakest interests possible for the promotion of her own interests in this, in this grand battle, this incredible, to wage this incredible battle against the devil. I want to remind you a little bit about the children of Fatima. It's striking how young they were, how uneducated they were. None of them could read. Um, one of them was six, the other was seven, and the other was nine. That was, that was their ages. And they started to receive these apparitions. Like the, the least likely people, the, the, certainly people we would not choose to do great things. When Our Lady appeared to the, those three children on June the 13th, 1917. She told Lucia that Francisco and Dicenta were going to die, but that Lucia was going to be her instrument for the promotion of the devotion to the Immaculate Heart. So Our Lady is, is talking to this nine-year-old girl. In a very remote, she's just talking to her in a pasture in a very remote village in Portugal, on planet Earth. And she's saying to her, Jesus wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. 
to whomever embraces this devotion, I promise salvation. And that Lucia is going to be the one who is going to make Our Lady known and loved. What she asked of these children was that they pray, they perform acts of penance and acts of reparation for sin because of the fact that in the supernatural realm, in the spiritual realm, your age does not count. Your size does not count. How famous you are, how great your social media contacts are, none of that counts. What counts is spiritual force, the life of grace in your own soul. And Our Lady was able to inspire in these three little children, very young children, a flame that was so intense, so desirous of accomplishing the work of Our Lady that these three children performed incredible penances. They prayed incessantly, even though they were so young. When Our Lady appeared to them on August 19th. And remember, this is the Queen of Heaven and Earth talking to little, little children, three little children. She says, pray, pray very much and make sacrifices for sinners. For many souls go to hell because there is no one to sacrifice themselves and pray for them. She had showed them hell. She had given them horror of hell she told them they weren't going to go to hell and had given them this desire of saving as many people as possible from hell. Because as I said, this is the work of Our Lady, to give life, to give eternal life, to populate heaven, those empty seats. So if you, if you take these words of Our Lady, where she says, many souls go to hell, because there's no one to pray for them. And you consider what they imply. What, what, do they, what do they also say? Not just the negative part, but if we turn it around to a positive statement, it would read like this. Many souls can go to heaven because of the prayers and sacrifices that are made for them. If souls go to hell because there aren't people praying and sacrificing for them, then it means that souls are also going to heaven because people are praying and sacrificing for them. This is what Our Lady was asking these children to do. And they went at it with an incredible intensity, the enthusiasm of youth. They undertook many voluntary penances, they would give away their lunches. They would have the sheep that they were tending eat their own lunches. And instead, they would eat these bitter acorns that tasted terribly. And they tied a, a rope around their waist very tightly. It was cutting into their skin. Our Lady, Our Lady um, asked them to, to pray the rosary. They would pray the rosary over and over again. They, would, they were even scourging themselves. They found some thorns in the pasture land where they were tending the sheep, and they, they, were, they were scourging themselves. 
These children were so desirous of saving souls from hell after they had seen hell. They had gone so far that Our Lady herself had to tell them to, to soften their penances, not to go so far. She said to them, God is pleased with your sacrifices, but he does not want you to sleep with the rope on, but only to wear it during the daytime. Don't wear that penitential rope at night when you're sleeping. Perhaps it was keeping the children up all night long. They were still wearing it. The Fatima children were taught to pray as well. They were taught two prayers by the angel of Portugal. You know, the guardian angel of Portugal appeared to them first. As I mentioned on the first night, everyone, everything is implicated in our salvation. So this angel of Portugal appears to them and taught them two prayers. One of them you know very well. Oh my God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love thee. I ask pardon for all those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love thee. The other prayer was a prayer of reparation, also a prayer of reparation. They, the angel taught them and they would, they would prostrate themselves and say this prayer to the Holy Trinity, asking reparation for sin, for the sins committed around the world. Our Lady likewise taught them prayers. I believe it was on the same day that she gave the three secrets to them on the 13th of July, 1917. One of them, again, you are very familiar with because it's the prayer we now insert in the rosary after every decade. After they had seen hell, Our Lady teaches them this prayer. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those who have most need of thy mercy. Children were terrified, people falling into hell. Our Lady taught them this prayer that they could use to assist Our Lady in keeping people from falling into hell as they had seen them fall into hell like embers floating around in a conflagration. The other prayer that Our Lady taught them was a prayer to say when they were, when they were offering their sacrifice, when they were offering something up, to direct their intention. Oh, Jesus, this is for the love of Thee, for the conversion of sinners and in reparation for the sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. They would say this prayer when they would do their penances. What do we think these children were able to accomplish in just a short time because they were so on, uh, on fire? Of course, they received a special grace that we have not received. They were able to, to look on the face of the Mother of God. They were able to see the horrors of hell. What they did should be an inspiration for us. But as I see, say, this, this scene from Fatima gives us an insight into the divine wisdom, which is also reflected in the wisdom 
of Our Lady. God loves to use the most disproportionate means to achieve the greatest things so that we can be certain that he is definitely behind that victory. There's no proportion between the cause and the effect. The cause are just three little children, but the cause is just this humble maiden from Nazareth. The effect is the greatest good for the world. And when Our Lady comes, when Our, Our Lady intervenes in the affairs of the world in the 20th century, she's undergoing the First World War, the destruction of, of Christendom, the destruction of the, of the cream of the youth of Europe. She chooses to go to three children to solve this worldwide difficulty. She speaks to three preteen children, has them pass their message onto the world. And this is, this is a humility that confounds the pride of the world. And I think this should be an encouragement to us to, to see that, uh, yes, the traditional movement is very small. We're, we're really rather insignificant in the big picture. But God is, is not looking for quantity. He's looking for quality. He's not looking for sophistication, very sophisticated people. He's looking for devoted people. That's who Our Lady is looking for. If our hearts are in the trim, if we are desirous of waging battle against the devil, using spiritual weapons in the army of Our Lady, we can accomplish something, something even great for her in this life. We have more resources than we know. We just lack faith. That's the problem. We don't have confidence in these resources, these seemingly humble resources that we have, such as the rosary. Here at St. Isidore's, we have a little contingent of the army of Our Lady, the army called the Militia Immaculate, the militia, the army of the Immaculate. This militia was started by St. Maximilian Kolbe and has been continued in its traditional form by the Society of St. Pius X. There is a chapter here. We had 38 members enrolled last year. Previously, there were 219 members enrolled here. So that, that makes over 250 members who have been enrolled in this militia at St. Isidore's. As I say, this militia is, is a continuation of, of the Militia Maculate, started by St. Maximilian Colby in the same spirit, because there's a Novus Ordo version of the Militia Maculate. They took it in, they redirected it, just like they redirected the Blue Army, just like they redirected the Legion of Mary. They made all these things ecumenical. They don't like military language. They sapped the soul out of these institutions. They no longer have this optic of doing warfare against the devil, against Islam, against Freemasonry. They just have the optic of being nice to everybody, the optic of being tolerant to, 
to everything. But that's, we can't be about that. We've, we've, we've got to engage in the battle against evil using spiritual, there is real evil. Freemasonry is evil. Islam is evil. The crisis in the church is evil. It's very evil. And so we continue doing battle. Those who would like to join the Monsieur Macolate may do so today. As I said, those who have already joined can renew their membership. But it's important that we understand this vision that St. Maximilian Kolbe had behind this militia. Um, and we, I, I just want to announce here as well that, that we're going to receive a, a visit from the director of the MI, the international director of the MI, Father Karl Stelen, um, in November, just a month from now. I only discovered this after I'd already decided to make this mission. Probably would have still done the mission, but, but that's something also we want to prepare ourselves for, um, to, to show him that, that our hearts are in the trim. We, we are desirous of doing this battle against the devil. So St. Maximilian Kolbe, he wanted to, because Our Lady is referred to as, as if she is an army arrayed in battle, um, various spiritual leaders have taken this cue from Scripture and the Church's appropriation of it to Our Lady to start their own armies, wherein they, they have a public membership. People publicly inscribe themselves in this army, and there's a public goal to fight against satanic forces. And see, Maximilian Colby especially wanted to fight against Freemasonry, which he himself observed its power when he was a seminarian in Rome. He saw the Freemasons mocking St. Michael the Archangel in very close to St. Peter's Basilica, and he was shocked. He said, we have more power than these people do. Why are we not as bold as they? They've got an army. They've got Satan as their general. Well, we have an army too, and we have a general much more powerful than Satan. We have the mother of God. Why can't we organize ourselves and do battle against these Freemasons? Just as the free members of Freemasonry give themselves over to Satan as his slaves, he said, so we, so too, we must give ourselves over to Our Lady as her slaves in the spirit of the consecration of St. Louis de Montfort. We're totally dedicated to her. We're voluntary. We offer our voluntary service to Our Lady. Here's what he says about this Melissa Macolate. The essence of the MI consists of belonging to the Immaculata unconditionally, irrevocably, unreservedly, and entirely. This is why one who joins the MI becomes entirely her property. And in precisely this way, he belongs to Jesus, just as she belongs to Jesus. And the more he is her property, the more he belongs to Jesus. This is the bold language that is used by St. Maximilian Kolbe. He calls, he says that those who consecrate themselves to her become the property of Our Lady. He's following 
the ideas of St. Louis de Montfort, who wants to indicate that if, if you are a slave of someone, then they, they own you. And normally speaking, this would be insane. No one of us should sell ourselves into slavery to anybody else. But when it comes to the mother of God, selling our slaves into her slave, slavery to her is, is a badge of honor for us. Not only is it not imprudent, it is most wise. There is a supernatural wisdom consecrating ourselves entirely to the mother of God because there can be nothing greater that we can accomplish than as instruments of Our Lady. See, Maximilian Kolbe emphasizes that the MI is not just for private devotion. It is a public army. It does have an apostolic aspect that is meant to touch the world. The MI calls itself a militia, he says, a knighthood, because anyone who belongs to her does not limit himself to consecrating himself totally to the Immaculata, but he also strives as much as he can to win the hearts of others for her, so that others, too, may consecrate their hearts to her just as he has consecrated himself to her. This is the vision, see Maximilian Colby, that the members consecrate themselves to Our Lady and bring others to do the same. The object of the MI is to strive for the conversion of sinners, heretics, schismatics, and so on, and especially Freemasons, as well as for the sanctification of all under the protection and through the intercession of the Immaculate Virgin. This is what St. Maximilian Colby longed for. His heart was restless as long as the world, really the world, the whole world, was not brought into the service of the Immaculata. You know that armies recruit soldiers, and the bigger the army is, the, the better. He set his life's goal as recruiting soldiers for the army of Our Lady. And he prayed to her in this way, with this restless desire, O Immaculata, when will you finally rule in the hearts of each and every person? When will all the inhabitants of the earth finally recognize you as their mother and the Heavenly Father as their father. I cannot rest. I cannot be quiet until this happens. When you join the Militia Maculate, you join the sort of the first level, and there's just a few little obligations to doing so. Three. It's just three obligations. The first obligation is to consecrate yourself to Our Lady. And you do this in the ceremony. In the midst of the enrollment ceremony, you, you consecrate yourself to Our Lady. The second duty is to say this aspiration that um, St. Maximilian Kolbe uh, sort of adapted from the apparitions of, of Our Lady St. Catherine Labore. Uh, o Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, that came from those apparitions, and also for those who do not have 
recourse to thee, especially the Freemasons. So this prayer you're asked to pray every day. It doesn't bind under pain of sin, so you don't commit a sin if you forget. But it is the duty of, of the member. And then the third thing that you need to do as a member is to wear the miraculous medal. And so many people um, attach the miraculous medal to their scapular. It's a good way to, to wear the miraculous medal. And during the ceremony of the enrollment, for those who wish to be enrolled, if they have not yet been enrolled in the miraculous medal, I, I enroll them in the miraculous medal when um, they, they come and become a member. So you, um, I don't know if, if you're aware, there is an enrollment in the miraculous medal, just as there is an enrollment in the scapular, so too there's an enrollment in the miraculous medal. Um, so if you haven't been enrolled in the miraculous medal, that will take place at the enrollment ceremony. Um, there's, generally speaking, anyone can enroll after they receive their first Holy Communion. So I invite all those who would like to become a member to do so after this conference. Um, last year I spoke a, a bit about the Miraculous Medal. Also, Father Nick spoke a bit about the Miraculous Medal. But since today is, is the Feast of the Holy Rosary and the 450th anniversary of Lepanto, um, I, I just want to return to the Rosary for a little bit in the, in the last 15 minutes of this conference to encourage you to pray your Rosary well so that you can be close to Our Lady by means of it. As I say, the, the, the main weapon that Our Lady has is you. What good is the Rosary if there are not people to pray it? What good is the miraculous medal if there are not people to wear it and distribute it to others? The rosary, you know, it's, it's just like if you have a Kalashnikov or an AK-47, I mean, what good is it if it's not someone to pick it up and start shooting it? It does no good, right? What's the point? So, I mean, you, you want to, to have your Kalashnikov, you, you want to have your rosary and use it, but, but also use it with skill. You want to be able to use it well. And by that I mean to pray it well. We have to understand how the rosary is a multi-purpose prayer. I mentioned yesterday how it is used for the defense of the church. It was instituted for the defense of the church. But just as, as God is able to take one thing and, and make it accomplish many purposes at the same time, the same thing is true of the rosary. You think about water. Water is so amazing because it can do so many things. It, re it, it gives us, it hydrates us. Um, we're always drinking water here in Colorado because of the altitude. It hydrates us, but it also cools us. It cools us down. It, it acts as a solvent, and so it cleans us as well. Um, and there, there's a million, I mean, it, it, do, it does a million other things. God has, has somehow made this one molecule, H2O, to do like 15 different things that are so necessary for our existence. Well, the rosary is similar. The rosary is a defense for the church. It is a way to chastise the devil and keep him away. But it also is a very important tool for the nourishment of your own faith. It's not just we pray it for other intentions, but we also pray it 
for our own spirituality, for, for us to become holier. It's very effective for making us holier. Why is this the case? It's because of the mysteries, the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious mysteries. Our Lady has so designed the rosary that we're constantly turning over in our minds the main aspects of the mystery of our redemption. That's why it's said that those who pray the rosary on a regular basis, they can't lose their faith because they're always turning over the main doctrines of their faith in their mind by reflecting on those mysteries. This is what Leo XIII says. It will not seem too much to say that in places and nations in which the rosary of Mary retains its ancient honor, the loss of faith through ignorance and vicious error need not be feared. If you're faithful to the rosary, it's like you can't lose your faith because the faith is there. We have in the joyful mysteries the beginning of our redemption, the coming of our Lord to this world. And an illustration of the essential virtues that we must practice, this humility, this poverty, this unworldliness, this, this focus on spiritual things being much more important than material things that we find in the joyful mysteries. To reflect upon them, anybody reflecting upon them over and over again will have the right perspective on their own life. The sorrowful mysteries, where we see the horror of sin, we see our Lord suffering so much in order to pay for sin. We see the price of our redemption. We're moved with a feeling of love towards our Lord for what he's done for us. We are strengthened in our own struggles with the crosses that we have in our life. We learn to bear them with silence. We learn the supernatural value of the sufferings that we have in meditating upon those mysteries. And then the glorious mysteries, where we see the final goal towards which we strive, the glory attained by our Lord and Our Lady for the way that they lived their lives in the joyful and the sorrowful mysteries, that we are called to participate in that same glory. The, the glorious mysteries are, are unique in the sense that we have not experienced anything of what happens in the glorious mysteries. We have experienced things that happen in the joyful and the sorrowful mysteries. So they're a bit closer to us. They're perhaps easier to meditate upon. Glorious mysteries are about the glories of heaven, things that are beyond this world exclusively. So joyful and sorrowful mysteries are about things in this world. But we have to meditate upon those mysteries as well so that we can be inspired, motivated to persevere in the struggles of this life in order to attain that blessed goal, that incredible glory, that share of the eternal glory of our Lord and Our Lady in heaven. I hope you see from this how if you're constantly thinking about the three central aspects of our redemption, our Lord coming into this world and living his hidden life, our Lord suffering and our Lord attaining glory, if you're constantly thinking about those things, you're not going to forget your faith. You're not going to lose your faith. That's why it's so important for you to say the rosary every day. That's why Our Lady of Fatima, every single time, those six times she appeared to the three children of Fatima, said, pray your rosary every day. 
she called herself at the end Our Lady of the Rosary. This devotion is important, not just to chastise the devil, but Our Lady uses it to get you into heaven. She wants to put you in one of those empty spots in heaven. But you have to pray your rosary for that to happen. There's a story from the life of St. Dominic where he was, he was casting out devils. And he, he prayed to Our Lady that, that the devils be forced to speak the truth. He knew that Our Lady had power over the devil. The devil has to obey Our Lady. And the devils, she, she did force the devils to speak. Here's what they said. Now that we are forced to speak, we must tell you this. Nobody who perseveres in saying the rosary will be damned because she obtains for her servants the grace of true contrition for their sins, and by means of this, they obtain God's forgiveness and mercy. No one will lose the faith, and no one will be damned if they persevere in the recitation of the rosary. Let me just a brief tangent on the luminous mysteries proposed by Pope John Paul II. These luminous mysteries actually came from a Maltese priest um, in the 1950s, uh, Father George Preka. And he proposed the five luminous mysteries as a chaplet, as a sort of an extra devotion. Not as part of the rosary, but just as a chaplet. There's many chaplets in the devotional catalog of the church, but um, and, and there's and there's nothing wrong with these with these chaplets. There's certainly nothing wrong with the luminous mysteries in themselves. If you want to meditate upon the transfiguration of our Lord at the wedding feast of Cana, or the the promotion of the of the kingdom, the promulgation of the kingdom of God, or the institution of the Eucharist, of course, there's nothing wrong with you meditating upon those things. No problem at all. The problem with the luminous mysteries is to try to make them part of the rosary. And that's the problem. Because as I explained last night, the rosary is Our Lady's Psalter. The Psalter has 150 psalms. And the rosary has 150 Hail Marys. Pope John Paul II, when he, when he sort of made this suggestion, he didn't bind anybody. <laughs> he just made a suggestion in an encyclical that, that he sent out, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, in, in October 16th, 2002, um, he admitted in, in that encyclical that he was breaking the symbolism of the rosary. The symbolism I just explained to you, the, that you have um, 150 psalms in the Psalter, and you have 150 Hail Marys in the rosary. So it's Our Lady's Psalter. He's, he's also breaking up, if you, if you, if you want to add this to your rosary and not just practice it as some side devotion, like you, you incorporate it into that cycle of rosaries. You know, in the, in the Novus Ordo, they pray the luminous mysteries on Thursday. If you want to incorporate it in that cycle of mysteries, then you, you have 200 Hail Marys and you break up that, that unity of the central mysteries of our redemption. The beginning, our Lord coming to this earth, our Lord suffering for us and accomplishing the redemption and the glory that comes from that. You break that up and you, you focus on other things. And, and this, 
is not ideal. So, you know, Our, Our Lady did not give us the luminous mystery. She gave us the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious. She gave us 150 Hail Marys. Um, she could have, she could have given us luminous mysteries. As I say, I mean, even the time of St. Louis de Montfort, people meditated upon other mysteries as well. They just didn't make it part of the rosary. So that, that's why I believe it's, it's inopportune to, to make it part of the cycle of mysteries that you recite. So my dear faithful, in this mission, just to, to review, we have seen that Our Lady, the Mother of God, has been given a quasi-omnipotent power by God in order to fill the empty seats of heaven. She is the Mother of Life. She has power to fill those seats. How does she do this? She does, she does this through the graces she bestows upon us and through her rosary, primarily. That is her main weapon. But she also does this through the weapon which is the soldiers in her army. Souls who are consecrated to her, dedicated to her, who have this ambition of promoting the triumph of her immaculate heart, who enlist themselves in her army, who live in a state of dependence upon her, and who seek to serve her in whatever way that they can. And there are very few of these people today. There are so few people because of the crisis in the church. If we look at the time before the council, there were millions of people and these organizations, the Blue Army, the Museo Macolante, the Legion of Mary, these organizations have been decimated. And those who are still in the organizations are no longer taught the authentic militant spirit that originally belongs to these institutions. Our Lady has very few instruments today. She's looking for people like you who are just struggling to save their souls and the world gone mad, and a church gone mad, who want to be devoted to the faith, and hopefully, as well, have this spirit of generosity. They want to make their contribution in this life. So when they're judged on Judgment Day, they're able to point back and say, look at those rosaries that I prayed. Look at the influence that I had. Look at those miraculous medals that I passed out. I, too, was a member of the, the, the militia of Our Lady. I helped. I assisted her. I was one of her instruments in this world. So just in a few minutes, I will come back out and we will have the enrollments in the Militia Immaculate.